0: Welcome to The Tidal Year, a series about the joy of swimming. With the help of some special guests, we'll discover the human stories behind why we swim. Together, we'll share tales from the places that helped us fall in love with swimming. From lidos to lakes, by leisure centres in the ocean, I can't wait to dive into these magical places. I'm your host, writer and wild swimmer, Freya Bromley. And every week, I'll be chatting to a new explorer, swimmer, author, or campaigner about what water means to them. Before we dive into this episode, I'd like to thank today's sponsor, TryHard. I love being in the water, but I don't love what pool chemicals like chlorine do for my skin and hair. TryHard develop water sports specialized skin and hair solutions that eliminate those negative effects of pool chemicals and ocean salts. I'm thrilled to share with all listeners of the Tidal year a very exclusive 15% off when you use code TIDAL at tryhard.co. In this episode, I chat to musician Marika Hackman. As well as being an exceptionally talented lyricist, Marika writes and produces her own music. You might recognize songs from her album, Any Human Friend, which is atmospheric, dark, and sexy. The summer of 2019 it was released, I lived with it on repeat, and nothing makes me want to move like her track, Come Undone. During lockdown, she released an album of covers, which is full of unexpected musical treasure from artists like Beyonce, Radiohead, Grimes, and more. She really has a way of surprising us, and you're never quite sure what she'll release next. Marika swims at London Fields Lido, and that's become part of her creative process. We spoke about that, and all the things that we love about swimming. That feeling of being hugged by liquid, how joyous it is to see people exercising self-love, and the body positivity of getting a glimpse of body hair in the changing rooms. We also spoke about her very special musical performance from the bottom of an empty swimming pool. Enjoy! Enjoy! Hey, Marika, how's it going? Yeah, good. I was actually thinking this morning about the last time I spoke to you, which was we were chatting about any human friend and how much the world has changed since then. But what hasn't changed is that that is a really fantastic album. (laughs) Thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, the
1: world has just kind of gone aflame and been absolutely wild but uh yeah you know it feels like a very very long time ago that I released that record it is it's just a different life now it feels like
0: yeah it is but you did you get to tour did you get to do much of that or did it all get
1: put on hold um I did I was actually really lucky I um managed to basically do like my full run of touring and my UK tour ended I think about a week before we went into the first lockdown so I was playing in London and then kind of escaping and and hiding in the countryside for the next like 10 weeks so yeah no it was I was really lucky that I was able to do that and then I got to just focus on I then made a covers record to kind of pass the time and be creative whilst not feeling inspired and now I'm writing my next one so just kind of keep the ball rolling.
0: That's great that you were able to maybe kind of acknowledge that you weren't feeling as inspired but you still wanted to do something creative And then kind of lent into the covers album, because I think acknowledging this is hard, this isn't working and not being not letting the frustration of that take control must have been tricky. Were there a few other things you tried before you settled on doing some covers.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was trying to write because I was like, oh, my God, as a musician, you know, when do you get this much time spread out ahead of you? where you're not going to be touring, you're not doing promo, you're not going to have to just do the kind of random other stuff. Like it's purely time that is perfect for writing. And, you know, like riding off the back of having just released a record and toured it, it was like, yes, okay, strike while the iron's hot, here I go. And, um, yeah, couldn't think of anything that I I wanted to say. And so then I started kind of allowing myself, I think, the uh, luxury of having time without having to fill it, which I haven't had in my career, which I've been doing for 10, 11 years. So I haven't done that for a long time. And then I started reading all about how when your brain is under a certain level of stress or being challenged, but on quite like a kind of subtle level at all times, it inhibits creativity because it's your problem solving part of your brain and the uh, creative part of your brain are the same bit. So I kind of left it up to science to be like, oh, you know, I'm trying to fix The world's problems right now in my own brain and kind of work out, you know, how I can survive this on a very, you know, 15% level. And that means that I actually don't have enough energy now to be thinking about chord progressions and, and what I want to say, which I think is the hardest thing with all of this. What do I want to say? Like everything feels quite petty, but I also don't want to make a COVID album. Yeah, it's a tricky one. It's striking that balance. It's quite stifling. But, you know, I'm, I'm plowing through and I'm, I'm kind of really getting there now with the next one. So we'll see kind of what the message will end up being. Who knows?
0: Oh, I'm so excited to hear what you have to say.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> pressure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Well, I think with all these things, it's pressure. But I'm really interested in what you said about the science there, because I think we're so good at not being tuned in to what our body is saying and what our body is just automatically doing for us someone was telling me the other day that when you hear a very loud sound your body is instantly under stress because you go under fight or flight and you panic it's very stressful for your heart to hear an ambulance or just any of the loud noises that we hear in London but our brain goes I'm really used to this I can handle it it's fine so living in cities we're constantly ignoring the fact that our bodies are really under a lot of stress from what we're putting it through in this constant fight or flight and it's the same with that kind of creativity and being in touch with what's happening and what we need as well. I think yeah. especially in that pandemic situation, having space to tune out from the problem-solving part of our brain to dream or to think up crazy new ideas or song lyrics is maybe not always easy.
1: No, <laughs> no. But it was it was good to... Um have the covers record element because it was kind of um I was able to ha- like stretch myself creatively so that idea that um I was still able to be really creative and have creative ideas and rework things but without pulling something out of thin air and that's that's always the most intimidating part of any creative process is the infinite possibilities you start with nothing and and then you make something that never existed before which is the amazing thing about it. That's the magic about it. But it's the most difficult aspect because you're not starting with a ball of clay, you know, or a canvas or a, a problem that you need to solve. It's literally nothing. And you really have to kind of look inwards or, you know, set yourself boundaries and challenges, but it's, it's, it's you kind of driving all of that. So yeah, if you don't have the energy to do that, I think tackling a cover is a really good way to um, kind of express yourself and also like learn new skills. Like I like learning new things and breaking down someone else's song and re-reimagining it is um a very sort of therapeutic process. I like the idea of taking things apart and putting them back together, but with a kind of a slight creative flair or your own your own message within that. So yeah, thank God. Thank God for covers.
0: <laughs> thank God for covers. Yeah. And I, I think with the covers album, it's so slick. And who could have thought that you could bring together like Beyonce and the Shins and Grimes and it all sound sonically like they really belong together. So I think there's a lot in the self-recording of that that was just as well, incredibly impressive. So I guess you really leaned into recording and instrumentation. What was that like? Because you did, I can't believe that you did all of that at home. It's very impressive.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was like an exciting challenge. It's one that I feel like I've been working my way up to. And again, I think the idea of doing it with a covers album felt like maybe less pressure that I could kind of play around with production ideas and have that confidence to do that. And I think what it was very interesting to me is that Right at the beginning of my career, I was in that exact bedroom that I was working in down at my parents' house. And um, I made a covers EP at home, self-produced, that went up as a kind of like incentive for people to sign up to my mailing list. And um, there I was 10 years later in the same room. With the same concept, but it was a real marker of like how far I've come, which was amazing because I mean, I love that first EP. It's really clunky, it's very lo-fi, it's very bedroom recorded. And then the fact that I was able to put into practice all the things I've learned over the last decade and have fun with it and have the confidence to do that was like a really bolstering thing for me to do. And I think it kind of I am very production heavy when I'm making demos and I'm writing. I don't just write a song anymore. I really start to think about the other elements and write all those parts in. And it was just a further extension of that, really, and kind of learning more about like software and the kind of nerdier side of things. So, yeah, it was a really enjoyable process and I I learned a lot. And it was also, yeah, a great kind of reflection, uh, I think, to look back at kind of what I've I've actually been doing.
0: It's great to have time to reflect. I, I think most of us are so bad at that. There's always, we have a goal, we're running towards it. And then when we get there, a new goal appears and it's something else to be pushing towards. So actually taking the time to look at that first EP and think how far you've come must've been really nice.
1: Yeah, it was. It's, it's good. It's, it's, it's good to remind yourself of those things. So what you were saying about living in a city and and the noises and that we have this like response in our bodies all of the time that we're not acknowledging with our brain. And I think, you know, the music industry is a kind of, it's similar to that. I think, you know, you're kind of like blasting through and there's reactions and responses and disappointments or elation and adrenaline and, and all these things, but you're so in your head about it all. that It's nice to just have that moment to just yeah, reflect and be like, actually, I'm doing all right. And I've, I've learned a lot. And it's been a it's been a wild ride. And I'll just keep on going with it, I guess, you know.
0: And I guess usually so much of that feeling like, I'm doing all right, I'm doing great, must come from the elation and adrenaline of performing live and seeing people enjoying your music and that validation coming very externally. Whereas with this one, a lot of that must have had to come more from you and reflecting. And I was wondering whether swimming has anything to do with that and you taking time to be more mindful was it something that you really leaned into in lockdown and is that a time that you're often reflecting in the water or is swimming just about swimming for you
1: swimming is very meditative it's very reflective and it's a real it's like it sounds so cheesy but it's like real me time it's kind of (laughs) you know but it's like i that's when i i kind of decompress unfortunately I would say when I needed it the most, which was probably during lockdown, I wasn't able to swim because everything was shut. And even the beaches and things like that, you weren't allowed to kind of be going and doing that. So that was, I found that really difficult because it really is a crutch for me. I find that it's just such a good antidote to all of the noise. And when your brain sort of starts getting swept away, you know, and you start feeling like beyond the parameters of yourself i think it's a really nice way to remind you of you know where your physical edges lie across your entire body it's like some the most reassuring feeling i think being submerged in water and often when i've been struggling with anxiety or anything like that any mental health problems it's what i found to be the most therapeutic is to be submerged in water it's like if i if i feel like before i started swimming you know, if I was having a panic attack or I felt really anxious, like my initial response was to just go have a shower or go have a bath and just be in water. And then a few years ago, I'd just come out of a long-term relationship and kind of moved house and everything had kind of, I hadn't been swimming for ages, but I've always loved swimming like so much. And I just started going really regularly. It was actually all around the time I was writing Any Human Friend. It was just part of my daily routine. And it was, I mean, I'd walk to the pool, which would take an hour swim and take an hour walking back. And even that whole process, you know, of like, I'd be listening to demos. I'd be listening to like music on the way there or podcasts and things have this swim that was completely just about me and being in the water, no screens or anything like that, no noise, just that like splashing sound and the counting and the breathing. And then I'd walk back home and I'd listen to the demos that I was going to be working on that day. And it was like a really lovely routine which I've fallen out of a little bit at the moment because I got a bike. (laughs) So now I'm cycling there, which is saving a lot of time. But yeah, it's just that kind of, I think it's the breathing and the counting and the feeling, the physical feeling of just being hugged, you know, by liquid. It's very nice. I guess it's like being in the womb, I suppose.
0: Hugs by liquid. Definitely. I think you feel so support feeling physically supported does make you feel more emotionally supported as well and feeling, carried and safe the water has a huge amount of safety in it I think probably because it takes you back to childhood so much as well
1: yeah and I have like such great memories of you know being a kid and, and swimming was definitely like holiday and like my family are Finnish so we would go out to Finland like every summer for like three weeks and it's it's right on the coast and there's something about the sea up there as well that's like very different it's it's not that Mediterranean like salty Kind of warm, sticky, makes your hair look great, kind of vibe. You know that kind of hot, sexy summer. It's like a cooler, kind of cleaner, darker water. It's it's got less salt in. I think I think it's because if when it freezes every winter, the ice pushes the salt crystals out. So it's actually got a way lower salt content. So it does really feel like very refreshing. Yeah, and it's this kind of like dark green color. And we I would just spend like me and my brother and my cousins like all day just swimming in the sea or like. Somehow involved with the water, like, or, or like rowing or fishing, you know, the kind of the interactions that you have with that. And it was very, very kind of, it's that, it's that cleansing thing. It, it, it really makes you feel very grounded, which is funny because it obviously makes you weightless when you're in it and you kind of float around, but it's just, it really connects you, I think, to the fact that you're a physical man, like a physical being, which is, yeah, like I said earlier, it's a very reassuring feeling, I think, rather than getting swept away by all of the brain stuff.
0: Yeah, I love hearing you describe the sea in Finland as well, because I completely know what you mean, that water does feel very different in different places. And when you have water that feels silky and cool and cold, I love it when the water starts to get a bit colder. But Just coming up soon around September in the UK as well, it just feels like such a treat, because it does feel so much more cleansing rather than that kind of warm, sticky saltiness.
1: Yeah, which has a place, but I think, I don't want to offend any of the uh, (laughs) seas or oceans, but um, no, I think it's definitely that thing of I, when I get into water, I want to have that like intake of breath, Mm. like feeling as I get in. And again, I actually read something about that, where it's getting into really cold water is actually really good for anxiety because it puts your body into a state of like how the physical anxiety manifests but you're controlling it so it's almost like it can flex that without having to be connected to a mental thought that then becomes you know like a cyclical thought that comes round and round and round and, and starts doing that so you're kind of pushing your body into like an anxious space and allowing it to do that in a controlled environment which is also a great relief to think you know like I'll let you do this here that kind of freezing water body clenching you know all of that feeling and then I'll just go have a nice warm shower and you know, have a cup of tea and feel much better.
0: It's such a great way to learn how to cope. And also without feeling that you're very consciously doing it, you're not stepping into the pool thinking this is going to be great for my anxiety. Yeah. It's also really lovely to see when people help you go through that. I think especially at a lot of the pools in London, there's such community there that I I actually had started swimming in the middle of winter season and I would stand there obviously looking quite nervous about getting in and people will come and talk to you and give you tips and say oh well i'll stand by the side so if you want to get out you can and i'm here and everyone wants to share that experience of remembering what it was like to go through that for the first time and build that resilience too which is just so hard to find that in a city like london but always around swimming people want to have a chat and they want to help which is really nice
1: yeah, there's a lovely sense of community. And I mean, the most regular place that I swim is the London Fields Lido, which actually in the summer, they certainly make it cooler, but it is slightly heated. So it's never quite that like, you know, real shock to the system, but you do get a bit of a whoo when you get in. But um I found actually the, that their whole response um during the pandemic, when they had to be shut, they were so aware of how much swimming helps people with their mental health. They were like, the posts they were doing you know and like the comments from everyone it was just so supportive and I think you know like 15 years ago or whatever like it wasn't really something that people were talking about anyway and then you know you have your local pool being like you know we're, we're working as hard as we can to open for you guys we understand how important it is for you all like you know and people just being like so thrilled when it was back and doing all these posts and things just like oh like I feel normal again or I feel sane again and it's just I think it's great that there's a dialogue around that and that people feel supported and, uh, you know, what's the word? Sort of like corroborated in that feeling. You know, we all, we all have foibles to, to many different extents. And the fact that it kind of pools and swimming just really kind of opens up. I don't know why it is. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's that by being, um, maybe in a kind of vulnerable state altogether. If you think about it, we're all there kind of stripped down to like, basically being naked, doing something that maybe feels a little uncomfortable or, you know, it feels, I mean, I felt really nervous the first time I went to the Lido. I don't know why. (laughs) There's something vulnerable about it. So maybe that's why people feel kind of much more likely to kind of talk about things that are perhaps more difficult in other other settings.
0: Yeah, you stripped yourself away a lot at the point that you're at the pool edge because, You've not got your clothes, which I think so much of us form our identity around of the shield of the statement of this is who I am and you can tell by what I'm wearing and how I'm presenting myself, that's gone. You've also, like you say, you're not wearing as many clothes and you've also maybe sometimes got goggles on or a swimming hat, so there's no room for ego. People are there to just be themselves a little bit more. And I also think you often find people at their most res- reflective state at that point. I certainly find that in places like the the ladies pond in Hampstead Heath. Yeah, People are all there for, for a reason to spend time with themselves and spend time with something. And that can be quite, quite precious. I think often you're watching people or doing a bit of people watching and all that can feel like quite a communion in some ways. And I love what you said about people saying, I feel normal again, because I think as soon as you have been in water, you do feel normal. You feel, I, I certainly feel more like myself after I've had that moment. It's nice to check in and feel a bit more like Freya again definitely yeah i also think
1: um like what you're saying about um you know we're all gone kind of one level and and that you know you don't have the kind of yeah the clothes and the identities that we layer onto ourselves and we're sort of stripped back and actually one of my favorite things about swimming which is not because i'm a horrible perv but it, at the lido there's the women's changing room which was well, that's actually been shut since covid but all the women are in there just getting changed like in an open room. So like you see lots and lots of naked bodies and it's the most like refreshing, wonderful situation to be in. Like everyone is so friendly and just chatty. Everyone's naked and everyone looks completely different. And it's like, it just really is the most sort of wholesome, like comforting space to be in to just see all these different shapes and sizes and types of women all the different kinds of like body hair and stuff like that. And everyone is glowing. Everyone feels good. Like they've just like exercised a bit of self love and spent some time on themselves. And you're all sharing this moment completely naked in a room together. And I, it's just so joyous. Like it makes my heart just feel so kind of fuzzy when I'm in that situation. So I really hope they open it again, just cause I like, it's just so refreshing. You just don't really ever, I mean, when do you get to see that ever?
0: Yeah, I think that's a huge benefit to that being around women and having that female energy, especially at the ladies pond when everyone's getting dry and you said glowing and when people's bodies are literally humming red from the cold. And then after you come out and it feels almost a little bit more like you're burning. And we see a lot of sexualized images of women's bodies, especially younger women, but we don't often see older women naked or people that are different sizes and being around bodies in that way. And especially once you've had a swim, when I'm so much more in tune with how fantastic my body is, that it can move and it can carry me and that it can help me swim, being able to celebrate it in that way, rather than saying, oh, we have to keep our clothes on. We have to change in the changing room because this is my body and my body is sexual. It's nice to be around that. I've liked it in lockdown as well when the changing rooms are closed and everyone's just getting their kit off on the side of the pool. Yeah, that's, um, that's also a strong vibe. Yeah, no,
1: I think it's, um, it's just empowering. I think it gave me a lot more confidence around my own body as well. And I think that was a real mixture of, like you say, it's the, uh, like when I started swimming as an adult, because I was always really keen on it when I was a kid, but like I started off in the slow lane doing breaststroke, would do like 15 lengths and be like, oh, okay, cool. Or like, and then worked up to like 20 and was like, great then started I moved up into the medium lane and then I kind of started dabbling with a bit of front crawl but like you know these things you haven't done since you were a kid kind of properly and then moving up and kind of like now I my I generally do such th- as 30 lengths of front crawl at like a not super super fast but like obviously you can't go particularly slowly if you're doing front crawl so the kind of watching that progression and feeling my body like changing and working and like cutting through the water and like getting better at doing it moving more streamlined and kind of really like perfecting the technique makes me feel great about myself like what a fantastic body that can do this thing that can learn how to do that can actually swim in water and then on top of that yeah like looking at all these amazing different shapes and sizes and things like that and just kind of thinking wow like this is just so cool. Like a body, a body that functions and a body that works and is like a wonderful thing. And I think it's something to be celebrated much more. And I think it's, it shouldn't be that refreshing, you know? Like that should be something that we're all in touch with a lot more. So I kind of like urge people to try and go to local pools where they can see,
0: see everyone naked in a lovely way. Yeah. So I know you really want to try swimming, but the main reason you have to go is that you have to look at all these naked women in the changing room. It's so good. But it's true. I think the, the narrative that we have around things like, you know, our thighs or, our th- oh, I don't want to have these big thighs or this, but actually taking time to be like, my breaststroke has been so much better. And when I'm able to propel my legs and it's amazing what my legs can do now compared to before welcoming that, that narrative about our bodies is really important.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Do you ever take time to go back to the slow lane sometimes, or now that you've graduated into doing full on front crawl? Because sometimes I get in and I just feel like I need a day of, I don't know, just messing around. I feel like I can only do that in a slow lane. <laughs> I think I, sometimes I'm tempted,
1: but generally I like to just get into a real rhythm and kind of just, I I, I think I get frustrated now when I even try and do breaststroke. It also makes, I have quite bad knees because I play a lot of football and I've kind of ruined my knees and um, breaststroke actually hurts my knees a little bit. So I find just, you know, slotting into a front crawl pace and kind of doing that is the best way for me to kind of be relaxed. And also, I mean, I sound like such a horrible little kind of Scrooge, but I I find it more difficult in the summer just because it's like so much busier and you can't really have that space to kind of go at your own pace and go at your own rhythm. And I'm a big, big fan of the sort of like 8pm on a Tuesday night in December, where it's like you and one other person just like cutting across the lane in a rhythm together. Is That is like when you slot in with someone else on a completely sort of, yeah, like a different level, a non-verbal level, and you're just like, switching it across the pool. That's like the best, the best feeling.
0: I feel bad for that too, that it is, especially there's loads of kids enjoying the school holidays at the moment, enjoying the water, jumping in. And I feel really bad for thinking, oh, I can't wait till everyone gives up and these fair weather swimmers are gone. (laughs) And I know I shouldn't, because it's lovely to see so many people enjoying the water, but there is something nice about when it's very quiet because it's cold. And also I think you have that sense of pride of, I'm sticking it out for the rest of winter. So
1: yeah, a hundred percent. And it's the, it's the looks that you give those people who are also there, you know, in December, there'll be less of you, but there's a kind of little, a little look across on the edge of the pool. Like, yeah, I actually saw someone once, um, he was doing breaststroke with like one of those, like, like one of those hats that has like the ear kind of muff bits on and the dangly bits down. Like he was just doing breaststroke up and down the pool with his hat on. I was like, that is absolutely legendary.
0: (laughs) Oh, very cute. Yeah. Hat's always a good idea. Hat and I have those silly neoprene socks, the little wetsuit boots. Oh my God. They're so uncool, but they're amazing because my toes are always the first thing that gets cold. So I'm a big fan of those. But that's what I mean about the ego coming out the door. There's no, there's no route. You can't swim and look cool.
1: No, it's just not possible.
0: (laughs) I'm sure you manage it. I'm sure you manage it. Oh no. (laughs) But tell me about that first trip you had to London Field Slider. You said you felt a bit nervous and I think most of us do before that moment that we get back into swimming as an adult. I think swimming as a child is so much about play and about fun and then we forget how to do it. We get grown up and we get very serious and we forget how to play. We forget how to be in water and having that first moment back where you decide to make this commitment to yourself that you're going to try it again can be very difficult. How were you feeling at that that time?
1: I think the the kind of apprehension i felt was born from a fear of being judged that i wouldn't know that how to do it properly that like i had never done like lane swimming before so i was kind of worried that i don't know i wouldn't be going at the right speed or i would be like messing up someone else's process and even then down to like stuff like i didn't know where the changing rooms were or like what the protocol was or do i get a locker or do i just put my stuff on the side and you know just those little things which are actually If you're feeling new to something and not confident, they suddenly become like big things. Whereas now, obviously, I look at that and think, I mean, you just do whatever you want to do. Like no one actually cares. So yeah, I felt, I felt, I felt really nervous. It was very strange, but I felt fantastic afterwards. It was a real reminder of it it just like having swimming lessons at school and like afterwards the feeling. And I always, I always loved it so much. And if there was ever a pool around like on a holiday or whatever, I would just be in it. the entire thing so yeah it kind of just reconnected thank god and then it kind of just became a very very regular thing and I I don't feel nervous about it anymore although I do don't like I find going in if the pacing's all a bit off now it's busy and you're having to move between lanes if I go in the very fast lane even if everyone's actually going quite like slowly in terms of just because it's really busy i get so panicked about the idea of someone being like stuck behind me that it just becomes incredibly stressful and it's like i'm just exhausting myself trying to like race through the water getting really really stressed and like panting on each end and it's like this isn't this isn't why i do this like rem- remind yourself like people can people can overtake it's not your problem like just get on mm-hmm. with it
0: yeah, the reality is that everybody's probably only going so fast because they're worried about the people behind them. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: So like a snake chasing its own tail.
0: Yeah. And what you said about feeling judged really reminded me of what you said about how good swimming is for teaching us how to cope with anxiety. And that feeling of <gasps> when you get in the cold water and it helping you cope is the same when you put yourself in a situation where you're trying to free yourself from that fear of being judged. All these things, although they're just swimming, they often help you with so much more because it is good to free yourself from I'm gonna just get in and have fun in the water and not care what anyone else thinks or I'm not gonna worry that I don't know where anything is and nobody here is gonna judge me because I'm not judging anyone else either.
1: Yeah. And I think just yeah, because it sounds silly and trivial, but when you do those things and you do them for the first time, then the first time is done. And and that's something that's like obviously in my life, my whole career is basically putting myself in a position where I'm being judged and I'm I'm having a moment of quiet introspection and, and and you know being creative meditative in my own way and then that gets put into the world and I'm judged or I play shows and I'm judged so I think I have a kind of a mixture of like a kind of heightened sense of that but also a real like breakdown down that barrier attitude as well so I, I put myself in these situations to test myself to push myself to show myself that I can do it but it's interesting because you know at that point, That felt really nerve wracking, but also in the water, the swimming is a kind of quiet meditative space for me to reflect in a position where people might be looking at me or acknowledging my presence. And I think it's everywhere. And I think for me, it's a nice lesson that it's like, yes, even though on, you know, on the nose of it, my job is very much like that. I think everyone has those feelings all the time. I think it's just part of the human condition, especially in this day and age and the way that we all live. So yeah. And actually, that's the thing you realize in those situations, you know, when you're in the changing room or you're in a lane where you're overtaking someone else and you really don't care about the fact that they're not going as fast or whatever. It's kind of, I'm not judging these people. I'm only looking outwards with positivity in this situation. So why on earth do I always assume that it's coming back the other way? I don't know.
0: Because we're so much kinder to everyone else than we are with ourselves. I'm sure you have this with musicians all the time. You listen to something, you enjoy it, you think it's great. Then with yourself, oh, this and that. And that can be really incredibly hard and. I think it's interesting that you open yourself up to judgment as a artist and as a musician, but then sometimes can feel more self-conscious about it in reality when it's you. Do you ever have that where, have you ever met anyone at the pool and they've recognized you and then had this weird jarring thing of, oh, but that's Marika Hackman, the artist. This is just me, Marika swimming. And it can feel a bit like, that must be a bit weird as well.
1: Yes, that has happened rarely i will say um,
0: <laughs> but it's
1: jarring yeah because i feel like it's like i said at the beginning you know it's it's really like time for myself and me as me and i kind of process a lot of thoughts and things whilst i'm swimming just like personal things that just kind of drip through and they kind of condense into much more manageable like things uh, for me but um when i've been recognized and people have actually come up to me and said, you know, said hello. Also, sometimes these people are there like often. So I'll see them, you know, again and again and again. And it's nice because it, you end up having a bit of a chat and it's like, oh, hey, you know, how's it going? And, but it's also this thing of like, God, I'm standing here in my swimming costume. Like, I've probably got, you know, like pubes or whatever, like hanging out. You know, it's not exactly like the state I necessarily find that i want to like present my artist persona as you know gallivanting around in a swimming costume looking a bit awkward kind of standing all like with you know stuff, stuff like having like wet hair and kind of everything bedraggled and so that does feel like it slightly breaks you know it's like oh don't not now don't do this now like i just because this is just me I'm just a a funny little human in my funny little swimming costume splashing around like (laughs) that's it but then at the same time you know it's it's I mean it's always lovely when someone you know comes up and says something nice so that there's a a nice aspect to it but um I certainly feel very exposed when that happens
0: yeah and you mentioned the word persona and I'm not a musical artist but we all have a persona to some extent we have this version that we're presenting this best version and then we have the stripped down version too so it must be yeah, that word jarring or exposing to be recognised in a state that is not always the one that you want to put forward.
1: Yeah, it's definitely jarring. It's 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 kind of just catching you on the back foot a little bit. Sometimes I think you know it's it's a good thing also to maybe have that reminder of just like yeah, okay, you know you can try, but <laughs> like you are fundamentally who you are, and like that's always going to get exposed at certain points. So that's that's probably a healthy thing on some on some level, I think. If you're aware of the fact that you have an artist persona or something like that, it's good to keep it kind of in check alongside the real part of you. I'd never want that to be like what overwhelmed me because then you'd probably just be an arsehole, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, my, the time that I want to bump into anyone that I know least is when I've had my goggles on and I've really like got them stuck on my face. And when you take them off and you've just got, <laughs> got these like red rings around your eyes and I have bumped into someone after that and they've said are you are you okay yeah yeah no fine I've just been swimming I do this totally for fun this is just all part of it
1: I feel like that as well with uh, the goggle marks because I think they stay for so long (laughs) and then so once you're actually kind of like away from the pool and someone bumps into you it must just look bizarre like either you've kind of aged dramatically in the last like you know months since you last saw them or you've been kind of crying savagely somewhere I don't know they do look absolutely strange so yeah I have that that's a a fear of mine upon leaving the pool as well
0: but although you've said you don't want to be up on stage in a swimming costume you have been on stage in a swimming pool tell me about this amazing live show and recording that you did from within a swimming pool
1: well so one of the things obviously i've really missed playing live it's been really difficult and you know having to do a kind of stream show at that point is a good stop gap it's not ideal because you don't have the crowd there which is obviously like a huge part of that but um at least it kind of gives you the opportunity to be really creative about the space that you're in. So obviously I don't think I'd be able to actually do a gig in a swimming pool live because you have a lot less control over the sound and cramming everyone in there would be quite difficult, things like that. So it was kind of cool to have that opportunity to like just try something a bit different. And yeah, I mean, apart from the fact that just aesthetically, like it looked nice, I love the way swimming pools look. And I think that's a kind of recurring thing there are a lot of like visual artists that really focus on swimming pools it's that kind of it's the order of it and it's it's the kind of universal like turquoise and white and the kind of the angles and this it's always just very ordered and clean Mm. and like clear and it it makes me feel just so good so to the idea of you know standing inside one that doesn't have any water in and playing a show you know maybe it would kind of allay any nerves and (laughs) i feel get into a zen space um i was actually incredibly nervous because playing without a crowd is um Ten times more nerve wracking for some reason, but yeah, it was um, it was just really fun. It was great to be, like be with back with the band, and and it was just an interesting, yeah, just an interesting experiment. Really, it kind of it just felt strange being on the bottom of a pool. It's obviously quite hard. You don't, if you're lane swimming, you don't get to go and hang out at the bottom, which I find quite sad. And also, it's you can't ever like stay on the bottom of a pool for a very long time. But I mean, when I was a kid, like, did you ever get that feeling when you're on a holiday where you? at certain points in the day, you feel like you're not really real, like you feel like you're in a film or something. And it's quite like a strange ennui feeling as a kid.
0: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And I think it's when you begin to look at other people and have that feeling of, oh, other people are the the protagonist of their own life. And that's a bit confusing. And Yeah. I think you can definitely see kids doing it as well. When you see kids walking off talking to themselves on the beach or going and playing with themselves, which I think is always really sweet as well. But I know exactly what you mean.
1: Yeah. Also that feeling like, and I used to get it a lot. And whenever that happened, I would just go and sit on the bottom of the pool. So like, I would just go sit down there, hold my breath for as long as possible. And then I'd come back up, have a breath and just go back down and just sit on the bottom of the pool. So it was quite cool to just like, I don't know, connect with that childhood part of myself that doesn't necessarily feel real quite dreamlike you know then being in a situation where I'm standing on the bottom of the pool and I'm doing a kind of like live streamed show through people's screens which like isn't real I'm also doing something that I was probably dreaming about when I was sitting on the bottom of the pool as a kid kind of connecting those two things together which was um not like a I hadn't thought of that before we decided to do that but um when I was there it's like that strange kind of like oh yeah I used to hang out (laughs) I used to hang out down here
0: (laughs) quite a lot so you wanted to escape that feeling. You wanted to ground yourself.
1: Yes. Yeah, I I hated that feeling. And I used to get it a lot. I mean a lot on holidays. I still do get it if I do go on a holiday, which is fairly rare, but um I get it on like in the summer. I used to have it as a kid like a lot in the summer like I think it was just yeah, you feel like you're in a a film and and you don't really feel like you're fully kind of present, which is just such a bizarre feeling. And yeah, I don't know why, but to be a bit, I mean, same reason, any kind of, with any of anxiety that I struggle with, being in a pool was a very helpful way of dealing with that and fun. I mean, pools are just really fun. There's a lot of things you can do. Holding my breath was always a really a great, the holding your breath challenge. Uh,
0: <laughs> just throwing anything in a pool. I used to just give my dad objects and be like, throw this in, I'll go get it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. it's like like
1: the only time it's acceptable to play fetch with your child is when there's a pool. (laughs) Yeah,
0: That's so true, isn't it? Yeah, I was watching some kids yesterday and stroking across the water quietly thinking, oh, I can't wait for the school holidays to be over. No, it was very, it was very sweet, really. And they were jumping and trying to run as much as they could before they fell in the water. So doing these kind of running in the air and it was very fun to see that. And I thought... I really want to try that, but I would be so judged. You can't, you can't as an adult. Maybe if you get your own pool, then you can do stuff like that as well.
1: Uh, yeah, that would be. I mean, that would be the dream.
0: But it's a shame, isn't it, that we um
1: we squash the play aspect of our psyche as we get older. I think I'm really lucky that with being a musician, I I get to flex that. But it's still within a kind of. It's not like goofy play, and I think I I'm a very playful person. Like I like. I think my whole family is like we love playing games and being silly, and like I, I kind of really held on to all that stuff when I was a kid. Like I feel like when I was in my early teens, you know, lots of my friends were all kind of like getting into relationships and like smoking and like being cool inverted, you know, commas. And then I was like, guys, I really want to just play forty forty. Can we like? <laughs> Go and like, <laughs> like I want to, yeah, just be like kind of goofy and be a kid and be a kid for as long as possible. And I really have that so present in me now. And I it always makes me sad that adults don't feel like they can play because, like, yeah, that running across the water game is so much fun. I remember doing that, but, I, <laughs> but yeah, if I try try to do that at the Lido I think I get the whistle blown and probably been kicked out. So
0: and what you said about being goofy as well—that's so true. And often. Part of being in a romantic relationship with somebody is having that trial and error of being goofy and seeing if you can be vulnerable and be silly and play fight and wrestle and make jokes and do silly faces. But actually, if I think about it, I would rarely do that with some of my friends, which is really sad that we think that there's so few people that we can have that childlike play with rather than trying to bring that into more of our relationships and show people that we can be playful and vulnerable and actually. How much more vulnerable that is than even something like sex is being like, let's do this running game across the water, which uh, probably feel a bit more exposing than being naked, maybe.
1: Yes, I 100% think so. I think and also because something like sex or being naked has so much more around it that can be sort of powerful. You can use it in certain ways and it's there's a level of like respect or there's a level of conversation, but goofiness and then like silliness, it's not viewed as something that can be like empowering or...
0: And there's no rules there. No, no rules. And like... There's rules with sex. We know what we're supposed to do and we know what we have to do to look sexy. Whereas when it comes to being silly and making fun of ourselves, maybe that's a bit more uncharted water.
1: But yeah, and I also think that with something like sex um, or any of those kind of things, how you interact socially, they can be very controlled. You can control the whole narrative and you can control like how you feel within that. Whereas the whole idea of being... A silly person is that that's actually what's underneath that's who you are that's it comes out like I find so often it's really funny like my sort of artist persona and often when I'm doing kind of interviews and things and um I'll be like thinking you know about what I'm saying and kind of like yeah okay cool and I'm I'm talking and gotta be you know not cool but just you know don't be like don't be silly just don't be silly Marika like come on and then like I'll watch one back or something or someone will like show it to me and it's like I just can't help it. Like my wrists are like flapping around, you know, kind of like I'm like laughing at stupid jokes, like going red. And like, I had to accept a long time ago that um I cannot squash that part of me as much as I'd love to be like a cool, cool customer. I never will be. But then I like to think that, you know, maybe people will then embrace their slightly sillier side. Um, I think you can still be serious about what you do and be playful and stupid with it, you know?
0: I think that's very kind to the rest of us because I'm sure when people meet you, they think, oh my God, Marika's so cool. She's got this cool <laughs> pantsuit on. She records all her own music. They're being a little bit goofy is just kind to the rest of us that probably feel very inferior in comparison. <laughs> I disagree, but that's very nice of you to say. <laughs> and it sounds like you're a real advocate for swimming. It sounds like it's been hugely beneficial to you. How much do you try and persuade other people in your life to come with you? Are you often trying to drag them along to the Lido?
1: I don't drag them along with me because I actually, I mean, I have been for swims with people before and like, it's a nice, it's nice afterwards because you can go get a coffee and things like that. But like, actually when I'm swimming, I really just don't want to have other people that I know. It's not even like, it just makes me swim differently because I feel more observed and I feel more kind of like pressure that I'm putting on myself to kind of like be, Good at what I'm doing, or like I'll always end up doing less lengths because I'll just be like, "Oh, just get out now, whatever." So I don't actually like having people with me, which is such a kind of (laughs) such a grinch. And then, but I do, I do try and make people go swimming a lot. So when I'm talking to friends who um, everyone seems to be anxious. Everyone has has their issues, and if someone's telling me they're feeling anxious, like the first thing I'll say is just like, "Have you tried swimming? Just have a go, like book in and just try it because I'm sure, like." You know, if, if it doesn't work, you've wasted an hour of your life, but also how are you not probably going to enjoy it anyway? So, yeah, I have that conversation with a lot of people. And I think I've even around, you know, press and stuff for the last record, I was talking so much about swimming because it had just been so helpful. And I was very much in that moment where I'd kind of, I was riding the wave of that realization that I had a tool, I had a tool in my toolkit, like my first tool, basically, that um, can help with that and it's such a relief when you find these these kind of coping mechanisms and it's one that's just so enjoyable and it's also exercise which is great like it's good to kind of get out there and like like we were saying about you know feeling your body working and using it is such a great a great feeling so yeah i just love it
0: <laughs> it's a good tool but i often find i'm very good at persuading myself out of it sometimes i think i'm too busy that's a that's a lie i tell myself a lot i don't have time today and sometimes as well i cycle because I'm in South London. So my Lido is Brockwell Lido. And I'll cycle there furiously. I'm not probably a danger to everyone, including myself around me, because I'm not really paying attention to any cars that are about to open a door on me. I'm thinking about work. I get there. My stroke all feels off and I can really, I need to really learn to be more guarded with that time for myself and acknowledge how precious it is and what a gift it is. I really like your idea of walking there. That's nice because then you've got that hour to wind down and lean into it before as well. It sets the
1: pace as well. Like a walking pace and a swimming pace are basically the same. Whereas I find when I cycle, which is what I do now, again, you know, it's, it's racing. When I'm on my bike for some reason, I just, I'm like, it's a bit like me doing the front crawl actually. It's like, well, there's wheels here and my legs are moving, so they must be going fast. <laughs> and so I kind of zip there. And then it's, yeah, having to kind of reset down to that, like, calmer, quieter. And actually, I think, yeah, the walk, like an hour of walking pace then into the pool is, like, a really nice way of doing it. But it does, I mean, you've got to have a lot of time for that. I would kind of trick myself that I was kind of, it was all work, really, because mm. it was helping out with, with being creative. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, like, since it's become easier and quicker for me to get there, I've been swimming less as well, which makes me sad. Yeah, I convince myself, or I convince myself I'll I'll go. I'll go after work today. I'll go in the evening. When does that ever happen these days? (laughs) I'm I'm like, I need to get it done in the morning and then settle into my day. Unless you know, it's a kind of I know, like some beautiful evening and I I simply must get to the pool. But it's um, it's really rare, and it's making me a bit sad. So I need to crack on with it.
0: That's interesting, that generosity that we need to give ourselves as well, of saying, it is a lot of time, but after this, I will feel more creative. I will feel more in touch with myself and I will get more done than if I just mooch around at home. And I think I need to often phrase it like that to myself and be more generous as I would with someone else. I would always tell someone else to prioritize it.
1: Yeah, 100%. And then what's also interesting is you have the inverse of that, which is also if you are in the, in the pool, and it's not, it's not working for you that day. You know, it's like, you're saying like your stroke's off. It's just not feeling good. You're getting through a couple of lengths, feeling exhausted and things like that. It's like, also it's fine to then don't like ruin your swimming experience. Like it's just one of those days, like just get out, get changed. And then, and, and kind of, yeah, like go have a cup of tea or whatever. Cause I hate that feeling when I'm kind of, sometimes it just feels like you're swimming through like honey. Mm. And it's, it's horrible and, and there's no rhyme or reason as to why it is. And then sometimes it's like you're just cutting through and it's the most glorious feeling. So on the honey days, I'm like, I just, I give myself a break.
0: <laughs> That's when you need to go and sit on the bottom of the pool.
1: Yeah, exactly. That would be the time that I would do that because I'd love to still spend, you know, like 45 minutes or whatever in there. But I feel like if I'm not going up and down, then I uh, I should probably get out. But I'd love to go and just splash around and collect things.
0: That's what I do. I'm the pa- everyone else is like, "Will this girl get out the pool? What is she doing?" Although I did spend some time like just under the water the other day, and as I came up, I bumped into a man who looked like he was having some very serious swimming, and that was that was uh, that was a moment where I deserve to be judged in the water. But hopefully, he was like, "Good for her. She's having a great time."
1: Yeah, I'm sure that's what he was thinking. If we've learned anything from this chat, it's that he was probably like, "I want to do that." <laughs>
0: Exactly. And selfishly, I want to chat a little bit about what you're listening to on the walk. So you're listening to, are you listening to yourself or are you listening to music? Is that time about inspiration or is it more about getting through and editing some of the music that you've been working on yourself?
1: So it was both really. The walk there would be music. And usually like I tend to get just very stuck on like one or two songs at a time so I might listen to the same song like I don't know like 20 times on that walk 20 yeah just like just refresh it refresh it refresh it and walk the whole way which is kind of makes me sound like a crazy person
0: no I when something just get when you can't stop thinking about a song anyway you might as well play it that much but I do worry that I have to be very guarded with songs that I love because when you play them that much they become that real markers in time And I I worry then if you have like a breakup or something that goes bad, the song will be ruined for me. So I try not to overdo it because otherwise I might ruin some of my favorite songs for me, but I can, there are some songs that when you have them on repeat that much, you can listen to them and instantly you're taken back to being in Portugal four years ago or, you know, walking to London field Slido after a really bad day at work.
1: Yeah. It is a risky little game though, for sure. So I think it was, yeah. Tempering that as well, not, not, listening to too much of the same stuff also I like to just listen to like nothing as in a walk up the canal like the whole walk is up the canal so it's a really lovely walk and there's lots of the noise of like bikes going past and like coots in the in the water and stuff like that and like um, all the different canal boats and things and kind of really seeing all the changing of the seasons and like hearing those things and smelling those things and being that whole walk it's always been again, it's kind of a grounding thing. It's really connecting you to like your surroundings. And I think sometimes I'd like to just, you know, take take the headphones out and like really just be on that canal, you know, kind of taking it all in, especially that shift into autumn, which is my favorite part of the year. The different smells along the canal, like all the houseboats with the fires and things and this the kind of it was just suddenly like oh this is a completely different scene and then it'd be ice on the canal and it would be snowing and it would be and I was going to go for a swim which was like the nicest feeling but then on the way home after I'd had my swim that's when I would be listening to myself so at whatever stage of a record being made it would either be really rough early demos that I was working on And I'd be just playing them over and over again, working out like melodies and things as I was walking, because it all just sits in there. You know, if you keep feeding it and going round and round, it seems kind of crazy, but at some point something's just going to click. So I would just have that on. And then as it goes further through, it'd be thinking about instrumentation or later on, listening to mixes, listening to masters, you know. So every step of the way, there's actually a lot of listening that you have to do. And I find the walking and the listening to be very. It's a very relaxing way of doing it. I don't like sitting and listening; it feels um, strange to me. It, it doesn't. It feels counterproductive. Like I could be doing something else whilst I'm listening to something. So walking, like a, a sense of momentum and movement, is um, again in the same way that swimming. It's, it's like it kind of calms calms the brain. Like stepping, whether it's stepping or doing stroke or whatever like that, it's um, very uh,
0: grounding. Anything that involves counting and moving <laughs> is, is is good. I think it's also a bit too confronting sitting at home listening to yourself. I've had that now doing this podcast is that I have to listen back and make notes. So people probably would bump into us. You're listening to yourself (laughs) in your album. I'm sat. What are you listening to, Freya? Just listening to my own voice. But it does. I find that swimming does help me be a little bit more present. And you do have to be present when you are being patient with recording things and going through that whole process. And as someone that records all your own music, you must have to be incredibly patient with that process of Firstly, taking breaks doing everything at home, waiting for you know people to stop walking around or for a plane to go over, but then also that whole process of listening back over and over again. is that something that you've had to really practice doing so much of your own recording?
1: um I think yes, you have to be patient. I mean, I think there's a level of like immediacy in in the writing aspect, which doesn't require so much patience. A lot of the patience is just waiting for those moments to happen, which sounds so passive, but it's a huge part of it is like allowing for that space. Whereas they're in the studio and like, you know, especially like earlier on, like working with producers and things where it's like another take, another take, another take. And you start to kind of, it's actually like, it starts to physically hurt, like having to do the same thing over and over again. And then you start to kind of like be messing it up a bit more and you kind of get like tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. And I find that situation makes me feel really, stressed and like wound up like having to do things over and over and over and over again so um yeah I think um it's definitely like a practice that you have to kind of just and like to just remind yourself to just like loosen up and just it's just part of the process you know
0: part of the process for sure and you mentioned that you've got new music that you're writing which is really exciting so hopefully you're going to be As we slip into autumn and you're noticing the leaves change and the smells of the river and how cold it is when you're at the Lido, that'll also be exciting that you'll be going through this creative process and listening to demos. And then hopefully they'll be out in the world all of us soon as well.
1: Yeah, that's the plan. Um, I hope that happens. Yeah, I think I'm really looking forward to um, that shift this year. I feel like I've got a lot of work done, but I need a different change. I need like I need a I need a shift in the air to kind of really like propel me to that it's that September sort of um that September like school feeling. So yeah, I'm just gonna kind of keep on keep on going and keep on swimming and keep on writing and and yeah, hopefully next year there'll be an album out.
0: Oh, I really I'm looking forward to it so much. And I'm also so inspired that swimming's gonna help you get there. That's great. And part of the incentive for me to keep swimming as well is just hearing how much it helps other people and all reminding ourselves that we just when it gets tough just get back in the pool.
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh,
0: well, thank you so much for chatting to me today.
1: No, my pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. It's been great.
0: I could have talked to Marika for hours. I've been a fan of her music for a long time, so hearing how swimming has helped her in her creative process was really interesting to me. I hope you thought so too. One of the things I've noticed about these podcast episodes is how tricky I find those first few questions when I hit record. It's easy to open with something like, how are you? Or polite small talk about lockdown and swimming. Whereas getting into the heart of the conversation takes a bit more time and trust. But with this interview, I actually found that Marika was the real pro and guided me as much as I did her, which I really appreciate. You can find Marika in all of the usual places on social media. And when you finish this podcast episode, you can dive into her music. Both the albums that we spoke about, Any Human Friend and covers are available wherever you listen to music. Thanks again to this episode's sponsor, TryHard. Say goodbye to Chlorine and shop their skin and hair products at 15% off with the code TIDLE. See you next week.